0: Good morning, loves. I'm Constance DeGroat, and this is the First Generation Healers podcast. Today, we'll be talking about the toxic movie, The Notebook. High drama and fighting was my impression of love for my family and for movies like The Notebook. Not until I chose to love myself with ease and flow did I start to find relationships where there wasn't a similar battle that I felt was going on within myself, the battle of loving myself over loving other people that imbalance of who comes first of seeing the line between where i begin and where someone else begins the toxic romance spell broke when i was 27 years old if you've ever found a man like noah in the movie the notebook you realized it wasn't love it was an obsessive toxic relationship you were seeking given noah is ryan gosling it can be hard to see or hear that noah was toxic compared to Lon especially, try putting Steve Buscemi in his place. Imagine Steve Buscemi jumping on a Ferris wheel after being two inches in your face and asking you to go out with him a million times. I know it wasn't a million times, but it was annoying enough to me to be, that's not okay when someone says no to you. In this episode, we'll be covering why Ali is so blessed to have forgotten Noah I'm kidding a little bit, but you'll see as we we go along if you haven't watched the movie in a while. And if you haven't watched The Notebook, stop listening and go watch it first. I don't want to ruin it for you. Even though it is, I won't say it's the best movie ever. We'll be diving into not only the toxic traits of Noah, but various other characters. From the normalizing of fighting all the time as being crazy in love with each other, to codependency and straight narcissist behavior, We'll be looking at Allie's codependent nature and how it impacted her decisions as far as relationships go. To start off, what are the signs of codependency? Losing sight of your own wants and needs for the sake of fulfilling them for others. When someone else isn't happy, you lack the capacity to be happy. You feel guilty if you are happy. You spend your time making sure the cups of others are also filled, often forgetting about your own cup and leaving it empty. It's giving love and respect to others without concern as to whether they are also returning the same love and respect back to you or giving any at all. People pleasers who struggle with saying no are codependent. Absolutely zero boundaries in this relationship. You're not sure where you begin and where they begin or where they end and where you end. We see this not only in Allie's relationship with Noah, but with her mother as well. Again, we love what we know. There was a time when I thought the Ferris wheel scene was cute. If only I could find a man who would want to die for me if I wouldn't go out with him. Oh my gosh, toxic much? How would you feel if a guy stood two inches away from your face? Now picturing Steve Buscemi instead of, of the great Ryan Gosling hotness that is there. So let's replace that. You, so how would you feel if Steve Buscemi was two inches away from your face? You never met him before. He asks you to dance after you just got off the bumper cars. Someone asking you to dance after you got off the bumper cars at the fair? Where are you going to dance? And he asks why she won't dance with him. You say because you don't want to. And when you say no, he jumps on the Ferris wheel to interrupt you and your friends. It could possibly be a date that she was on. Saying he he won't go until she says yes. Think about that he won't go until you say yes he won't get off the ferris wheel now the ferris wheel is kind of you know they're on top they're trapped where is she going to go to get away from him pushing her to go out with him since she won't say yes he releases one arm telling you that if you won't go out with him he will let go he refuses no you've said it more than two times And when he asks you, you say, I don't want to as to why you don't want to go is you don't want to go. Even when you say yes, it's not enough. He asks you and commands you to say, I want to go out with you. So then you shout it. I want to go out with you just to make sure this person doesn't kill himself because he's threatening to kill himself on the Ferris wheel. If you won't go out with him, he's going to let go. So you have to say it like you're begging to go out with him. And then he acts like he's doing a favor for you. I also find it alarming that Noah's composure completely changes once he gets the reaction he wants out of Allie. All of a sudden, he is confident. I know we like bad boys, but that is, it was very dangerous and reckless what he was doing with the Ferris wheel. As soon as he gets that answer, he is all suave and he's like, okay, baby, I'll go out with you. I'll take you out. Don't worry. And yet the whole time he was desperate. He was extremely desperate to get her to say yes. That automatic flip of character is alarming. When you put yourself in that situation, how do you feel? This form of manipulation is ignored at the beginning of the notebook. This isn't the only time Allie will say no to Noah and he will invade her privacy and he will not let her say no. The next day he sees her on the street and tells her, I had to be next to you. I was drawn to you. Uh, way too obsessive. Had to? Sure, he apologized. He apologizes in this moment, but it was sandwiched between crazy talk of I am obsessed with you and I must have you. We can't own people, Noah. He says when I see something I like, I gotta have it. I love it. He has to have it. You just met. What about her mentioning the girl she saw you with the other night? He's got to have her, but what was that? So Noah isn't trying to be himself. He is offering Allie in that moment that he can be whoever she wants him to be. Pensive, smart, superstitious, brave. So she asked him to be dumb, which is exactly what he was being in that moment. Love is about being yourself and being accepted as yourself. And it matters that you also accept yourself and love yourself as who you are. As Allie said earlier, she knows enough about him. And she does. Yet she continues to entertain him. In my opinion, that's not the worst part of the scene. Is that Allie has changed her mind and she no longer wants to go on a date with Noah. But still, he refuses her saying no. Allie's friend also ignored Allie's wants when Noah is at the theater to meet for a double date. Allie didn't know about it. Noah ends up walking her home after the movie date, and this is where we start to learn about why Allie lets Noah be pushy. She has a codependent relationship with her mother. There is no different differentiation between her as an individual and her from her mother. She uses we instead of the pronoun I when talking about what she is doing with her life. We learn she hasn't had a chance to make any decisions for herself. Mistakes need to be made to learn what we want in life. We have to decide, oh, I don't like that, then I like this. But instead, she only knows the likes and wants of her family. Her life has been heavily controlled. And as a trust exercise, Noah has Allie lie in the road with him at night to watch the traffic light change colors. Not only is it not romantic in any form... His immediate reaction is, she doesn't do what she wants. Does she really want to lie on the road with you? Or is this another need of codependency to please others? So when Allie asks what happens when a car comes while they're lying on the road, he says, we die. And then tells her, just relax, trust. You need to learn to trust. She says, okay, couldn't we have done, like, a different trust exercise? Or couldn't she have gotten to know you, Noah, and be able to trust you in general? as an actual form of learning trust. Noah could have just gone behind her and told her to let herself fall and he'll catch her, like the usual trust exercise. This was extreme. It was dangerous, again, falls into the bad boy category, and as usually the whole reckless Noah. Noah mentions as he reads the story to older Allie how they they rarely ever agreed on anything and fought all the time. Does that sound healthy at all? Their physical fights and name-calling are just watered down as crazy in love with each other, which is far from love. We were putting two words that aren't even the same thing together. So how Noah says, that's what we do, we fight. Crazy in love also is an oxymoron. So when they break up, the way Allie thought things would just be back to normal after she broke up with Noah that's toxic you don't break up with someone and get back together and break up and get back together again again and again and again and again it creates a trauma bond is what it's doing it's creating this cycle that is similar to a cocaine addict getting their fix you're getting a high and a low a high and a low and as we know as human beings that high and low is addicting as fuck so it is a constant battle between love bombing and devaluing a person. I don't feel Noah was doing too well mentally before the war. And can you imagine what he was like after the war? He had to have some PTSD going on or something. I have to wonder where his head was at since they met. His best friend is dead. He's completely antisocial now. There has been no shown like showing of anything in the movie of him socializing with anyone other than Martha which is a very, very long seeming um, rebound going on. He's threatening to shoot people who want to buy his house that he built and he's drinking in the process. Would any guy write a letter every day for a year if he received no response back ever? For 365 days to write a letter every single day and then stop then. That's a bit obsessive to wait a whole year to decide, oh, I haven't heard shit, I'm going to stop now. It's like the Field of Dreams in Creeper mode with that house. If I build it, she will come. Come, I mean, in obviously the sexual way, because they didn't get to finish having sex in the movie. So Creeper's to being obsessed to the point of building a house. So he is so creepy to the point that he's obsessed of building this house for her to get her back after seeing her with another man that she's happy with. Wait, what? That's like really crazy. So it's like no one ever gets the hints. I know that her mom kept the letters, but wow, you got no response to letters you wrote for 365 days. Yet, am I really surprised because you wrote letters for 365 days that you don't get the point? So we can want to be with someone, but I believe it is important to want happiness for whoever it is we love, even if it's not with us. But that's not Noah. So Lon was a healthier choice for Allie, but she messes that up. She messes that up really badly. I'm not saying that because he had money too, and her family approved of him, but Lon was a gentleman. He even asked Allie's parents for her hand. And when he goes to Seabrook to see her after she cheated, Lon makes it known to Allie that he only wants her if she wants him. This is a different dynamic from Noah. I know we can reason he asks what she wants, but that actually wasn't even in the script. I'm curious what the scene would have been like and sounded like if Ryan Gosling had never improvised what do you want? The whole classic meme that we see of women always being like I don't know what I want about food it became that was never in the script and it's also hilarious that that, I can always forget the actor's name Ryan Gosling thought it would be more in character for his character to burn down the house rather than rebuild it I agree on that but I do find it alarming that during the fight, he tells her that she's bored when they're fighting over her leaving to possibly go back to Lawn. She only came back to him because she's bored or something's missing. Have you ever been on the cusp of a major life change, something so altering that will make you happy, and then you see self-sabotage and you're like, hey, why not? I've gone back to old toxic relationships out of boredom. Have you? When you grow up in a codependent relationship... You want that drama. It's that high for you. It is a drug. She is only doing what she knows. You want the feeling on the edge of when the next fight is. It's awful to be in that fight, but you're just so used to it. I feel like Allie self-sabotaged herself in this situation. I also find it alarming that Allie points out that it's like she's a separate person from Lon, but enmeshed with Noah. But she goes with Noah, The concept of two become one is cute, but being individuals is important to a healthy, dynamic relationship with growth. You have to differentiate from each other. Yet in Hollywood, we're always, oh, I feel like I am just one with him. I feel like we're one person. You don't want to be one person. That's unhealthy. When you rewatch the movie, you'll notice Allie doesn't always want to, to be read to. But as usual, Noah doesn't take no for an answer. Whether we realize it or not, it's not that we like Noah because he's a good guy compared to Lon. We like Noah because he's an obsessive bad boy character who is reckless. Noah jumps off the bus and through traffic to go after Allie when he sees her when he goes to... Oh, what's that town? Um, It's in South Carolina. I can't think of it. But he sees her on the road and he just jumps off the bus, goes through traffic almost gets hit hit by cars, just to look through a window and see that she's with someone else and happy. It's not attractive in a long-term sense. Do you really want to deal with someone that's always being reckless in a relationship? I don't. Even the director picked Ryan Gosling for the role because traditionally, he plays dark roles, and it just seemed believable that he would be this obsessed with a girl. Even Ryan Gosling concedes this point. Basically, this is a guy who, you know, writes 365 letters to a girl he barely even knows. He told Canada's tribute about a minute into the interview and then builds a house for her and essentially pretends like he lives in it with her, you know? And in any other movie, this guy is going to get locked up. But she thinks it's romantic, which really pretty much puts it into perspective, I think. This is usually the concept of a horror flick where the girl's going to get murdered. Yet she doesn't. Even worse. She stays with him forever and he tries to make her remember who he is. As some other romance coaches will point out, but honestly, I just think it's a movie. The idea of huge gestures as love is unrealistic. I get it, but it's a movie. The thing is that some of us take movies too literally, and it would be nice to see a sense of what actual healthy love looks like so that people know what it is, in case they've never been in that situation and they grow up in a toxic relationship. Just saying, my perspective. I'd love for you to share this with any of your friends and rewatch notebook with them. And tell me what you find and think. Because yes, I didn't point out everything. I could even go into how I don't approve of relationships happening after cheating. That's my thing. You cheat, you're out. So that was not the case with Lon. He was okay with it. I still think Lon was a better option. And I'm looking at it from, she should have never gone back to town to go see Noah. Why go back into something that, you know, was toxic? But she had a hard time seeing that. The film isn't completely bad or good. I will give it that. There were these um, mummies found a while ago, and it was actually mentioned in The Boys, that were found dead together in each other's arms. Okay, a cute concept, I guess, that's in the notebook. It's not realistic, also in another term. I mean, when I think about ancient times, the things they did to make sure that everything went with them when they died, she probably was killed to go with him in that burial death and they were put together like that. Back then, if your husband died, often you were killed off too. So without a clear idea of what is too much good or too much bad, we choose unhealthy dynamics. We don't know how to be balanced. And unless you explore too much good after too much bad or too much bad with too much good... You're not going to know what healthy looks like. And that is completely normal just so that you know that. And that is just the way life is. We are always exploring extremes to figure out our balance. So someone can be too giving and helpful, almost parenting us in a relationship. That can feel like crossing boundaries. Some people like that shit. I don't want that. So as someone can feel unavailable and not present around us is also an issue. That is another extreme is feeling abandoned in a relationship. So neither is good. And we'll be covering what is in an upcoming podcast on Pandora's box, where we explore the extremes of the seven deadly sins. Because, yeah, as bad as they are bad, you can go the opposite direction and it can be toxic, too. Good isn't always good. So I'll leave you with that to think about. Rewatch the notebook and let me know what you think.